Welcome to the GSI Briefing Podcast. This is Regina Agia, President of the Garden State Initiative. As listeners have heard discussed on prior GSI Briefing Podcasts, states are in competition with other states and even foreign countries for jobs and investment. In our state, New Jersey's Economic Development Authority, or NJEDA, has stated as their mission is to make New Jersey a national model for sustainable and equitable economic growth by investing in communities, fostering innovation, and supporting industries with high quality jobs in our state. Joining me this month to discuss New Jersey's current economic performance and his outlook for our state is Tim Sullivan, who has served as CEO of the EDA since February, 2018, and is a member of Governor Murphy's cabinet. During his tenure, Tim has led the EDA's transformation into a comprehensive economic development organization charged with implementing the governor's economic agenda. He has overseen the creation of new programs focused on New Jersey's innovation economy and works to strengthen both emerging and historic sectors to support small businesses and cultivate equitable community development. Prior to joining the EDA, Tim Sullivan most recently served as Deputy Commissioner of the Connecticut Department of Economic and Community Development. There he oversaw state tourism and branding, brownfield redevelopment, transit-oriented development, and waterfront initiatives. His introduction to public service was as Chief of Staff to the New York City Deputy Mayor for Economic Development in the Bloomberg administration. Before joining city government, Tim worked at Barclays Capital and Lehman Brothers. Tim is a native of Bergen County and is a graduate of Georgetown University. Here now is my conversation with Tim Sullivan. Welcome, Tim, and thanks for joining the GSI Briefing Podcast. Great to be with you, Regina. Thanks for having me on. Well, let's start out with something uh, general for the benefit of our listeners, Tim. Could you give us a brief overview of the role the Economic Development Authority plays in the Murphy administration? Yeah, so the Economic Development Authority, I think, has, has really grown and broadened what we do uh, during Governor Murphy's time in office. So, you know, our, our ambition is to, you know, be a national model for inclusive job growth and for, you know, driving economic competitiveness for our state. That means, you know, helping to make strategic investments in sectors where we think we've got a chance to either maintain or gain a competitive advantage. That means supporting small businesses. That means catalyzing and supporting our innovation economy to grow the next generation of great New Jersey businesses. And, you know, from your background, I know you're well equipped to think about the largest to the smallest businesses in our state, because I know you had a successful career in private investment banking, but then you embarked on a career in public service with uh, development positions in New York City and Connecticut. But now you've returned to your native New Jersey, which is great. So why don't you help us understand what drove that transition from the private to the public sector and why now here in New Jersey? Yeah, it's a great question. Yeah, so I, I enjoyed my time working uh, in finance on Wall Street for a few years and learned a lot and made some, you know, had some great experiences and and, and really enjoyed the exposure that I got. Uh, I was a healthcare investment banker and then I was uh, working as the chief of staff to the head of investment banking. So I saw a pretty wide uh, swath of um, sort of corporate world and 
uh, capital raising and M&A world. And then, um, yeah, but I, my, my heart was always in sort of public policy and government and, and to a certain extent politics. I was a government uh, major as an undergrad and uh, I had the good luck and good fortune to get introduced um, to a guy who uh, was then serving as the deputy mayor to Mike Bloomberg uh, when Mayor Bloomberg was the mayor of New York City and uh, this fellow by the name of Bob Steele, who's uh, friendly with a number of your board members um, and, and a great mentor to me. And, and he and I had a, uh, you know, I had a great uh, opportunity to work for him and serve him and uh, kind of got, got got the itch for uh, public service and, and policy and politics. And I've uh, been doing that ever since. And then, you know, coming home. So I've been, um, so I was born and raised in Bergen County. I uh, went to high school in Bergen County, um, uh, go Crusaders, Bergen Catholic. Um, and um, who happened to, I don't know when this is running, but we happen to have just uh, uh, taken care of business against Don Bosco, our arch rival on uh, Friday or Saturday night. So good time to be a Bergen Catholic alum. Um, but anyway, um, you know, Governor Murphy became governor uh, or gets elected in, in late 17. And I had, had gotten to know some of the folks involved in his campaign and gotten to know him a little bit and was, you know, blessed and thrilled to get the, the call to come work for the home team um, and, and come home and uh, and uh, and try and help out where I could uh, and grow in the economy here. You know, it's we're thrilled to have you back in the state because it's always important, I think, to have uh, especially the leader of that organization really understand the whole state and really have a, you know, a good feel for both the geography, but as well as the industries. And you mentioned that, you know, in your description of the EDA. So why don't we get into that a little bit about, you know, what are the key industries in your mind for New Jersey to compete and win in? And how do we distinguish ourselves from competitor states in those sectors? Yeah, I break it into sort of two categories sector-wise. There's categories, there's one category is places where we're strong and we need to stay strong and get stronger. That's things like life sciences, you know, financial services, technology, I mean, industries that have been our calling card, you know, for decades. Um, you know, New Jersey remains, you know, one of the, you know, great centers, if not the leading center for pharma and life sciences. We still have uh, the headquarters or major U.S. presence of 12 of the top 20 pharma companies, 13 of the top 20 uh, med tech or device companies. So, you know, working on continuing to grow that uh, industry and, and, and maintain our competitive advantage there, that's kind of one category. And then there's a second category. I think this is something where Governor Murphy deserves a ton of credit is recognizing we're doing our best to recognize the industries of the future where we have a chance at a competitive advantage. I put clean energy and offshore wind in that category. I put film and television in that category. I put sports betting uh, in that category. FinTech, which is obviously sort of a cousin of financial services, but um uh, but kind of its own its own animal, uh, and those are those are industries along with cannabis where we see an opportunity for, you know, uh, significant you know uh, private sector job creation in the, in the tens of thousands, probably in each of those sectors. You're right in terms of protecting some industries as well as you know as you say attracting you know others, mm-hmm. and you know I know one tool that you and uh, all your predecessors of course have used are economic tax incentives, which you know, in some ways have become controversial um, in the in recent years. And there's confusion now, I think, as to, you know, who really does benefit from tax incentives. Of course, it's gotten politicized, but I know there's a real economic policy component to it. And it's very difficult to articulate the net positive impact uh, to our economy. But I think you probably could do a good job of that if you would explain to us and taxpayers what you're working on, not only now, but thinking ahead to that next gen, as you talked about those other industries, the next gen of tax incentives for our state to offer. 
Yeah, so I think yeah, I agree with you. Tax incentives are uh, you know ask a hundred people, you get a hundred different opinions uh, about uh, about tax credits and particularly corporate tax credits. So you know, I, I think um, you know when Governor Murphy came into office, uh, he and then and I uh, on his behalf, you know, started making the case for a a new approach to how we would think about corporate tax credits, and we wanted to be uh, more targeted and a bit more strategic, and making sure that there was a bigger and more demonstrable net benefit. Again, we wanted to focus those tax credits because again, tax credits are an intervention in the economy. They are essentially a subsidy. And so we want to be thoughtful and sparing about when and where we apply them. And those are places where, first of all, there's a real competitive situation where someone, you know, or some company is making a decision. Do I want to come to New Jersey or stay in New Jersey? Or am I going to really, you know, move my company or, or, or not choose New Jersey because, you know, of any of a variety of factors. And so those, they can be hopefully a tiebreaker. I think ultimately, I think one of the great fallacies that exists around corporate tax credits is that they are the sort of the sole input or the, even the biggest input in how a company or a, a CEO makes a decision. They're a tiebreaker. It's down to us and wherever, New York City or North Carolina or whatever. And, and we can, you know, put our thumb on the scale uh, when it's important. Um, and so, Governor Murphy signed into into law uh, in early 2021 the Economic Recovery Act, which brings a new set of tax credits to the to the table. Um, and I think we've delivered on our promise to use those sparingly. Um, we've in since since that law was enacted, we've uh, our board has approved three uh, total uh, corporate tax credits, um, and, and each one of those are projects I'm proud of and uh, are going to bring a lot of jobs. But we also significantly increased what we call the net benefit test. The net benefit test basically says we're going to run an economic model. And like any model, it's imperfect, but it's a model that says, you know, if, and I'll pick on Pfizer because I can think of those numbers off the top of my head. If they, if they create 1,700 new jobs, which was their, their target, that's going to create a tremendous amount of tax revenue for the state. And as long as that tax revenue meaningfully exceeds the amount of corporate tax credit you, you provided, then the taxpayers are, are, are winners in that situation. Um, under the program that Governor Murphy uh, sponsored and, and, and uh, shepherded through the legislature and got signed, uh, we've significantly increased that net benefit. So in most cases, that net benefit has to be at least three or 400% of the tax credit that's provided. That's up quite a bit from um, the program that it replaced. So the taxpayers have, I think, a greater degree of confidence that um, they're getting not just what they pay for, but they're getting quite a quite a sizable return on that. But again, we we want to use those selectively. We don't want to be if you're winning if you're if you're if your main if your main way of persuading someone to stay or come to New Jersey is a tax credit. I think you're you're kind of fighting with one arm behind your back. Uh, we want to we lead on the fundamentals of education, location, quality of life, infrastructure, all of which are things we got to keep working on because those are you know persistent. Um, uh, challenges and opportunities at the same time, but uh, that's how again that's a bit of a long-winded way of saying how we think about tax credits. No, it's very helpful. In fact, I, I want to come back to though the the tax uh, levels, but I wanted to clarify one thing, which I think is great: the three to four hundred percent. I think you said return. Yep. What time horizon are you using these days for the incentives? How many years? So it's a seven-year tax credit now. So the, the prior uh, GROW program was usually, a t- in most almost all cases, was a 10-year tax credit. These are usually, these are up to seven. So it's a bit of a tighter uh, time frame, which is really how decision makers, I think, think about it. Once you start thinking about year eight, nine, 10, that's so far off in the future. Most people can kind of barely imagine it. Um, and so the net benefit then correlates around that as well. So tying the net benefit to the issuance of the tax credits. And the return is in seven, or is the yes. return? Yeah, we are, we, we, the aggregate. The aggregate seven years has to be modeled to be projected to be um, either at that three or four hundred number, depending on. It varies a little bit by geography and industry, yeah. and a few other kind of bells and whistles. But that's helpful. So thank you. So while I agree that there's a whole profile that 
each state sells itself by. I do think that though the tax rate is certainly a marquee item that certainly you know comes up. Um, I won't debate you know the percent, but it certainly comes up. And as you know, um, and many of our listeners know that you know this year's state budget debate um, had as a key component the sunsetting of a uh, corporate business tax surcharge, and it really was to address. I mean, we weren't you know are still actually the highest in the nation in terms of our business tax rate. And the sunsetting of the temporary surcharge still only moved us to fourth highest. And, you know, that continues to be a concern from, you know, a GSI perspective and looking at our economic growth versus other states. But I'd love to hear your perspective of how important was sunsetting that surcharge? And maybe more importantly, what do you see as the next most important policy move that we need to make in order to sell New Jersey to the business community? Yeah, I think um, I think Governor Murphy had this right um, in the way he approached the sunset, in particular. That this was a you know the, the surcharge itself was sort of a necessary uh, a necessary move back four or five years ago when you know the state's fiscal and revenue picture was a bit different. Um, there was a, a, essentially a, a deal that was struck with uh, the business community. That this was going to be a temporary surcharge, and uh, paraphrasing, if not quoting the governor, you know we've got to. You know, we got to mean what we say, and when we say there's a you know an agreement to let something go, we got to let it go. Um, and, and look, I think the um, so I think the you know the governor and legislature did in, in this budget was was exactly the right thing, which was to honor that bargain and uh, and let let it let it lapse, let it uh, let it let it fade. I, you know, in conversations that you know the governor, myself, you know the governor's office, you know, choose New Jersey, all of us who are in the in the uh, in the business of trying to sort of drum up business for the state. You know, when we're talking to CEOs. Uh, and decision makers, invariably, the first two topics that come up or the, the top two topics that come up are talent and some combination of location and infrastructure, meaning can I find the people I need to grow my business with the right skill set and the right education, the right experience, whatever. And can I get either can I get my people to and from work or can I get my goods to and from where they're going? Uh, so location, infrastructure, all that. And then, you know, taxes and cost of living and you know cost of energy and things like that are usually sort of in that second category. If we can't make the sale on the first two, the tax rate is not, uh, and you know, cost questions broadly uh, sort of are moot because if, if they're not, in, if they're not, if they're not coming to Jersey for the talent, for the location, for the infrastructure, it's hard to persuade them otherwise. That's, that's, that's our calling card. Um, and so, yeah, it's, I'd rather not be number one on the list of corporate tax rates from a, just from a headline marketing branding perspective. So I think, you know, being not number one or number 50, depending on how you see it, um, uh, is helpful. Um, but I think in terms of policy, again, I think it's, I, I think, um, it's, it's, it's keeping our fiscal house in order. So credit upgrades are good. Paying down the pension debt and, you know, making full pension payments is good. That resonates a lot with, um, decision makers, things like the CNBC rankings matter probably more than they should candidly. I think those are, you know, uh, those aren't perfect rankings. Most of the rankings aren't perfect, but, um, you know, doing a lot of those things that I think when decision makers are, are looking at is the state, you know, being responsible with its, with its fiscal house? Is it uh, making hard decisions is uh, around, you know, fiscal discipline, not perfect, but hard decisions. Um, and is it investing in things like education and higher ed and infrastructure and energy transit and all those things? Those are, those are where I would encourage, you know, a, a good look at, uh, you know, where we can be more competitive and how we can drive those forward. Well, I guess um, I agree there's a whole value proposition, but I, I want to mm-hmm. do one more challenge on this because, sure. you know, we're seeing our many states, you know, really addressing their position on their corporate tax rate, right? We have saw uh, North Carolina very successfully uh, 
in addition to affiliations to universities and mm-hmm. develop certain industries, but certainly draw down their corporate tax rate, Indiana successfully. And what's really intriguing, I think, and the reason I think we you know look at this uh, so deliberately is because what's happened in those states is actually total revenues have grown because the economy organically is growing and creating as you you know you know say more jobs therefore more you know uh, economic activity so therefore more revenue to the state and of course notably and I know you're acutely aware of this Pennsylvania is taking the same tactic right they're moving moving down their their rates because they they can see the benefit so I guess um, when you think about both the whole value proposition as well as tax policy which states do you think really are models for economic growth and why yeah, I mean, I think this. you mentioned a couple of them, and I want to come back to Pennsylvania because that's one of my favorite topics to talk about, um, our, our dear neighbors and friends across the Delaware. Um, in terms of states that, you know, I think we've, we've looked at and said that they're doing some things that are interesting. Massachusetts is certainly on that list. Uh, North Carolina, Virginia uh, is certainly on that list as well. But again, it has, it has some of that's tax policy, some of that's tax incentive policy, and you know, some of the smart investments they've made. Um, but more of it is around how they've thought about their innovation, their innovation economy, how they've tied their higher ed to, um, you know, enterprise formation and entrepreneurship, you know, particularly Massachusetts and certainly Virginia too. I think, you know, the reason we can debate the Amazon situation from here to, to next Wednesday, and you and I might, you and I might agree on that more than, than, than you would speculate, but the way, the reason Virginia won that competition was because of Virginia tech was, you know, they threw some money at it, but they threw a lot less money than everybody else. And they, th- they had Virginia tech uh, and they said, we'll build a new campus in, you know, Crystal City, where the heck that project was supposed to be. Um, and so tying in higher ed, particularly engineering, applied sciences, computer sciences, all that to their economy. So when we're building this uh, project in, in North Brunswick called the Helix, right across the street from the train station, right across the street from J&J, right across the street from Rutgers, um, which is a real life sciences, biotech engine. That's pretty, that's a, you know, homage to what New York has done with Cornell Tech uh, on Roosevelt Island. It's an homage to some of the things that happen in uh, in Cambridge um, around their life science industry. So those are those are playbooks we're happy to shamelessly steal from. Yeah, those are really good examples. And I know there's, there's a lot of excitement about the Helix and mm-hmm. um, trying to, I think, leverage more effectively Rutgers University and the integration with, uh, you know, companies and development of certain industries. So I think it's a great example. So I was with a university president in Pennsylvania the other day, and uh, we were just talking about, you know, students choosing to be educated outside the state versus in the state. And we were just talking about the challenge New Jersey has so many students going out of state and the risk, of course, that brings with it for them wanting to live wherever they go to school or near where they went to school. And he made the observation, I'm curious if uh, you've looked at this and you have a point of view on that, you know, New Jersey has actually too few seats for that generation coming out of high school to enter, which is why they so, you know, prolifically look to out-of-state universities. If you looked at that, any thoughts on that subject? Yeah, and I have, although it's not my 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 immediate bailiwick, but I, I care a lot about it. Yeah, I mean, I think the I think the the outward migration story is more complicated than the, the outward student migration is more complicated. Partially, it's just a quirk of geography. So there's just so you know we're a small state in the, in the in the densest sort of higher education belt in the world, and folks are going to make decisions to go to somewhere in Pennsylvania or New York or Massachusetts or wherever. Um, but you know, we think the um, one of the important competitive advantages we need to strengthen for New Jersey or competitive challenges we need to work on is being more attractive to immediate college grads. You're absolutely right. A lot of people choose to 
live and make their career somewhere around where they go to college. And we've got a great higher ed ecosystem. So if we can keep more kids, whether they're from New Jersey or from, you know, wherever, if they come to New Jersey, go to college, we want them to stay, it'd be good. That means making Jersey City, Newark, Trenton, Camden, Patterson, um, more vibrant, dynamic, more attractive places to um, to live and stay and start companies. Um, and so that's, that's a competitive challenge. If you look at places like Tennessee or North Carolina, which are not places I want to look at that often, but if you look at what's going on in Nashville and Chattanooga, those are pretty great. You know, I wouldn't want to live in Tennessee for a variety of reasons, some of which are political, but you know, Nashville is a great city. Chattanooga is a great little city and they, they keep a lot of young people, you know, so does, so do many cities in North Carolina. Um, and, and to a in Massachusetts too, Boston's a great college town. And a lot of people stay in Boston. Um, and so having, uh, more of our young, more people who graduate college, whether it's you know a four-year college, a two-year college, public, private, whatever, um, choose to stay in New Jersey, you know, likely want to be in a city uh, or at least a, a vibrant downtown. So you know you think about the communities like Westfield and Summit and Cherry Hill, places that that maybe aren't certainly not urban, but are dynamic, have great downtowns, um, have you know lots of things going for them. Um, making sure that those are, we're marketing that too. Doing more marketing of, of New Jersey as a place to live as an economic strategy is also, I think, an important uh, tool in the toolkit for us. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Tim. I appreciate you, um, you know, talking about it. It's it's really a much broader economic challenge in terms of, they say, urban development and, you know, as you say, vibrant economic centers that kids uh, want to live in as they come out of school, which is mm-hmm. that, you know, I did. And I lived in Manhattan, right? I mean, most kids want to live in an urban area when they first come out. So yeah. you haven't mentioned your former employer, Connecticut, and I, you left Connecticut to come you know, back home to New Jersey. So tell us, how do you compare and how do you think we stack up? And you know, what do you think the great advantages of New Jersey are over Connecticut? Yeah, so Connecticut's a great state. My son was born there. We love living there. Um, you know, it's it's a great state. It's not as great as New Jersey, but it's a great state. Uh, you know, and I came home for a bunch of reasons, not the least of which my parents are here. It's good to have grandma and grandpa around for the kids because um, they love we love being with them. But uh, from a sort of economic fundamentals perspective, from a from a business perspective, I, I think New Jersey's got a much better hand of cards to play, and, and it has one of the better hand of cards to play, certainly in the Northeast, if not you know, the, the sort of the non, if you strip, strip out the Sunbelt, you know, uh, states that are growing so fast, I think we have one of the better hands of cards to play of anybody. But size and scale, first of all, you'd start with, you know, we're about three times bigger than Connecticut on almost every measure. That just gives us more heft. When we make, when we make a policy decision and we, when our economy does things, it just has a uh, kind of a, a bigger impact. You know, we're closer to New York and Philly than Connecticut is to New York and Boston. So that from that sort of center of gravity, you know, center of, uh, or, uh, that's what we're looking for, critical mass perspective, uh, I think that's that's helpful. Our transportation infrastructure is vastly better. Our road infrastructure is vastly better. And our uh, sort of talent and higher ed framework is extraordinarily good. So, um, you know, they've got Yale, we've got Princeton, but, you know, we've got a, a vastly bigger and more, um, supercharged higher education system. We've got the number one public school system in America. Their, their school system is pretty good, but ours is number one. Um, and so our roster of, you know, and, and our strength in industries that are doing, that are, that are so important long-term pharma being at the top of that list uh, and life sciences, you know, that, that historical calling card. So I think, you know, the, the Connecticut pizza is okay, but New, New Jersey pizza is better. Uh, there's not a decent bagel anywhere in Connecticut. And so, you know, I think New Jersey's got, uh, got the stronger hand here. Well, it's been a great conversation, Tim, and um, Economic Development Authority is in good hands with your leadership, and uh, we'll look forward to following along as you continue to uh, lead it 
And hopefully you'll come back on again and tell us about some of the progress you've been making and some of the areas we've been able to discuss today. I would look forward to that. Appreciate you having me on and uh, good chat with you as always. The GSI Briefing is produced by the Garden State Initiative. For more information about GSI, visit us at gardenstateinitiative.org and be sure to follow us on social media. Don't forget to subscribe to the GSI Briefing on the podcast platform of your choice. And please leave us a good rating. This is Regina Agia, and thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.